So, you've seen the theme, truth will triumph. Do you believe it? Yes. Do you want to triumph with the truth? Yes. That's a little bit different. It's, we have no question that this God and this truth represented as the embodiment in Jesus Christ will triumph. But when we have to think about the question of will we triumph with the truth, that leads us to our topic tonight. Truth or trending? And you immediately know what that means because we live in a world that is constantly trending away from God. And God plays by fair and just and honorable rules. The devil does everything, anything he can to sidetrack us. So the question that we're opening with is whether we, again, all of us, not you, <laughs> are we really going deeper and more riveted upon the truth as it is in Jesus? Or may it be possible that we are trending? You know, the worst kind of deception is the kind that you don't know is happening. We're going to have the next few days to really let God have access to all of us in a special way to determine whether we are trending. Do you think it's natural for us to trend? It's our default mechanism. It is normal for us to get drawn in and go with the flow, and we don't want to go with just trending. We want to be in the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. You know, before we were married, one of the things that Tom and I talked about is when we have children, where would we live? Because we had been studying together and we recognized that when we read a statement like it is 10 times more difficult, 10 times harder to raise children in a city environment, that was pretty impactive on us. So we made a decision before we were married that when children came along, we would look for a country setting, a more rural setting to, to raise our children in. That was a gem that we picked out of from truth. And like many of you, when we found these gems of truth, we take it to heart. And then life gets busy and our first child comes along and we were actually starting to trend. Well, it's more convenient to live in suburbia. It's more convenient to be a mile away from the hospital. It's more convenient for our jobs. And so without even really recognizing what had happened in the time from before we were married making that decision until after our first child came, we had started to go with the flow of the convenience of how life was to roll out. That was more than 36, was more than 37 years ago we had that conversation. And several years into our trending, that thought came back to us again, stimulated by our oldest child, who we saw very much enamored with the beauty of the countryside, because she'd never experienced it before until we took her out there. And it came to our hearts as parents that day when we were passing through the countryside, I think we were in Tennessee at that time, on a vacation, that we had made a decision 
And then we had forgotten that decision and we had got comfortable in life and now here we are, three years into our marriage and we are right where we didn't want to be raising a family. So we use that kind of as an opening example and it didn't stop there. I mean, all through this process, this theme this year is because when we go on walks and talks, we keep asking ourselves, are we really focusing on the truth? Are we really studying to know what is truth? And do we have a vital relationship with the truth, Christ Jesus? Or are we starting to follow the trends? And so we hope that as we go through the next few days together, that as we open up tonight with whether or not we are in the truth advancing steadily, because one of the things that, that our adversary would like us to believe is that we can just kind of get comfortable. <laughs> Maybe just, you know, life is going good, we're just moving along, kind of even keel. If we are not continuing to press on the upward way, if this is not intentional in, as my wife said, as we walk and talk together, which is a time that we cherish daily, if we are not pressing forward in truth, and when I say truth, I mean it in the context that he, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. He who has the Son has life. life. If we are not moving forward in the truth, we are not status quo. We are slipping into the trends because it's just much easier to go down the stream when we relax. Mm -hmm. Is that right? How many of you have ever been in a, in a, you know, a raft or a canoe on a stream that's moving pretty good? Let me just see. Is there a constant intentional effort if that stream is moving to be going up that stream and if you stop, what happens? <laughs> Doesn't take long to lose ground. And so it is in this Christian life. Over the next few days, we have the opportunity, all of us have the opportunity to spend more time reflecting with the Lord about whether we might be slipping in to some trends that may be taking us away. And don't be afraid of asking the Lord. If that's happening, do we want to know? Do you want to know? Yes, even if it's uncomfortable. You know, the, the scriptures, the Bible is full of examples of people just like us. They lived in a different time, in a different setting. They maybe spoke a different language and had a little bit different lifestyle, but they're just like we are. And there's many of us here tonight who really are putting our effort to really live the truth as we understand it. But even sometimes with that, do you think it's possible that we can still be following some kind of maybe religious trends, cultural religious trends, and not recognize it. One of the stories in the Bible that really struck me was the story of King Josiah. He was a young boy king, remember that? 
And he was very dedicated. I mean, he was a godly child, a godly king, and very dedicated to live the truth as he understood it, as he was taught it, and as he was accustomed to it. But as he grew older in the kingdom and they, they, they began to redo some of the things around the, the temple area, they found a hidden scroll. Remember that when they found the scroll and they, they brought it out and they read it and then they brought it to the king and they read it to, to Josiah out loud and they read the word of God, the truth as it had been written and we're told in scripture that Josiah was so moved by, those, by that scroll, by those scriptures, by the truth that he actually wept, rent his clothes, and he, he began to pray for forgiveness because he recognized as he was hearing the word of God that he thought he was following and understanding that they were far from what the word was saying. And so through that experience with, that, with King Josiah, a new um, restoration of truth became part of Israel and a much more determined effort was put forth to really help the truth be seen and help the idols and the, the, all the false worships be uh, rid from the kingdom. And Christ, as he lived his three and a half years of ministry, as he lived on the earth and particularly focusing on his ministry, he began to so exemplify the simplicity and the power of the practical truth. And it was so contrary to everything that his chosen people were supposed to be standing for that it actually created a major, well, it, it created a huge uproar. The simple people started coming to him. The people that came under conviction started coming to him. But the people who were supposed to be leading in the truth began to despise him. Because he presented the truth in such simplicity and such power that it was incontrovertible. But it created a huge controversy. Is it possible that that can be happening in our generation today? Is that possible? It is possible. Now, unfortunately, we don't live our experience as well as Jesus lived his experience. But we certainly know that in our beloved church today, not just in the Christian, Christian world today, but within our church, we understand that there has been a slipping from the waypoints, the waymarks, the, the, the very basic and foundational truths. We need to be asking ourselves, where am I in this process? And if we're willing to do that, God will show us where we are in that process. You know, honey, as you were sharing that, I remember the morning we were having family worship together with, at the table with my mother and the two of us. And, you know, this, this thought of truth, are we living by the truth? 
in the power of the truth or are we trending? This, this thought of, of the experience that Christ had, and this was the reference found in Desire of Ages, pages 70, 71. It said, pride and envy closed the door against the light. It's easy for us to see that, oh yeah, that's what they did. They had pride and envy and it closed their heart's door against the truth that was right before them, that was being not only spoken, but lived so different than the culture of religion of the day. And the thought that, that we discussed is that it's possible for us to have that same potential, isn't it? That pride and envy could close our heart's door to the light, to the truth. So again, as we go through this week, this weekend together, as the Holy Spirit brings something to our hearts, let's not be like they were. We were so quick to judge, oh, we wouldn't do that. Let's, let's be sensitive that we have that same default potential, don't we? And we want not to let pride and envy or stubbornness, pride and stubbornness, grew into a settled hatred of the Savior. When we read statements like that at home, we put ourselves in there. We say, okay, this this is who we are. This is us. If we do not keep a vital connection, have a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's important what you just said. We put ourselves into this recognizing because of our weakness and our failures that if we do not continue this process of connecting day by day and sometimes moment by moment, this is where we will end up. I used to think like this, as you mentioned a moment ago. How could they actually hate Jesus with all the good that he did? How could those people be so blind? But I don't, yeah, I still, I still have those thoughts, but now taking it a step further to transfer that to, I know how that happens. I know how my heart has been hardened. I know what can cause me to turn away from the light. It's not just those people out there. Mm -hmm. It's not just the people in the past. It's how it can happen to me. And that's why as we walk and talk, we often have very, sometimes they're very deep, very often very deep, but they're also sometimes Uncomfortable. That was the word I was thinking. <laughs> Sometimes they're very uncomfortable. And so the, the example of Christ in his three and a half years of public ministry did have a positive influence, didn't it? And he had those, those disciples, those apostles who work, worked with him and walked with him and, and ate with him and, and were nurtured and taught of him. And in their lifetime, the truth of the gospel was spread to the then known world. Is that amazing? Through a handful of people. Brothers and sisters, young people, we are a handful of people. We are a handful of people. This is not what is popular out there. God doesn't need as many masses of numbers as he needs our hearts and our willingness to be used of him to let him abide and let the truth of his word and the truth of his grace change us, that we live the truth in his power so that we can be that influence to to give the gospel, the good news, the saving uh, message of Christ's salvation to those who are open and hungry and ready for it. So when Christianity became popular, 
back in the, in the third and fourth century, when it began to be popular, then what happened to Christianity along with its popularity? It began to dilute, okay? It began to trend into more comfortable religion. They couldn't stop Christianity with the blood of martyrs. It wouldn't work. And so when Christianity became popular and the masses of people started joining, then it started to trend the direction of the world. And so people started to rise up in different places. Wycliffe, when he rose up in England, one man's influence who would not be content with the popular position of his country. One man, and let me read it instead of saying it. Story of Redemption, page 337 says, so great was the effect of his labors and his writings that the new faith was accepted by nearly half of all the people in England. Is that amazing? This is not Jesus. This is a man who saw the truth as it is in Jesus and would not be content to just follow the direction that everybody else was going. Nearly half of the people in England were moved to accept the truth because of one man's influence. He not only read the scriptures and began to have an experience with Christ and, and an understanding of truth, but by his dedication, he hand, tra he hand scribed, translated the scriptures into the common language of the people. This was before pinning presses. Can you imagine painstakingly writing hour after hour after hour for many hours of days and weeks and months of time to get the scripture into the common language of the people? And the dramatic effect that that had when the truth was brought forward. And God wants to bring that truth forward in our lives. Amen. And we could talk about John Huss in Bohemia and John Calvin in France and Zwingli in Switzerland, Martin Luther in Germany, Tyndale, John Knox. All these people we look to, and if, if you haven't done it recently, we went back and we were reviewing the lives of the reformers. It's very inspirational. Yes. And, and to be honest with you, not only is it very inspirational, but it's very reproving. That, that's in a positive way, okay? Right. Because when you read what these people went through, and then you have these spontaneous reflections that we also walk and talk about. Spontaneous reflections of the things that it takes and how insignificant they are to cause us to feel like we are under deep trial. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what these people went through, often standing completely alone with Christ, which is a majority, by the way. Isn't that good news? But it, that's what I mean by a, a reproof. But as you look at the lives of these people, so it brings us to the question that we were discussing privately in our lives 
that we are now opening to you, are we really growing deeply in the truth or are we trending in popular Christianity? I don't mean popular Christianity in terms of the world's view of Christianity or the view within North America. I'm talking about even popular Christianity as it flows within your church. Okay? Your little church or your big church, wherever that church is, or within Seventh-day Adventism. Is it fair to ask that question? Yes. It is fair. And we need to be asking that question as where are we? Otherwise, we can become comfortable where we are and we can just start making our lives compatible and kind of blending in nicely and going with the flow of everyone and pretty soon we're a long way from the truth. And we're gonna talk about just a couple, well, we're gonna mention several areas here. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on them, but we want you to think about them. They don't, all of these don't apply to all of you, but there may be one or two areas that do apply to you and it's just to try to, to open up our thoughts and to, you know, allow Christ, allow his spirit to have access to us to maybe check it, you know. Okay, I need to come back and, and re review this on my knees with the Lord. So going with some of the trends that are popular today, probably when we think of popular trends, at the top of the list might be what? Fashion might be one, right? Have we seen a shift in fashion? Yes or no? Yes, and we're seeing major shifts in that. I mean, so far out and so extreme and so unprincipled and so anti-truth, it's unbelievable and I'm gonna say scary, okay? There's fashion, I heard somebody talking because one of the popular trends now and it's happening within the Christian church is talking, is bringing your little ones to um, non, what's the word? Well, Non-gender clothing, okay? Thank you, because it's not in the notes. Yeah, so I, I know, know, I know, I saw that. Because <laughs> I just heard somebody in the airport yesterday, last night on our way here, this lady's talking and she says, oh yes, I got him some of these clothes because they're non-gender clothes. Okay, well, so what does he have? I mean, non-gender, in other words, anybody can wear it, right? And you can't really determine if it's a he or if it's a she because they all look the same. Now, we may say that we're not caught up in that, but I can say that most of these people 10 years ago would have not ever believed they would be caught up in something like this, right? But because little by little by little by little, we are becoming accustomed to the shift in culture and society and trends that we are becoming somewhat uh, comfortable, acceptable, maybe even influenced by it. So fashion is one. I just brought it down to even little ones are being affected in that area. So, this is a perfect example, especially since it wasn't in the notes for you to bring that up. That was a very good example. Spontaneous, dear. Spontaneous <laughs> example. But here's the flip side of it. So, here's what we do. We. Again, I, we're in this with you. Here's what we do. Oh, I don't do that stuff. I don't believe that stuff. But you know, it's an inter interesting observation that I make, and not in a critical way, but I make it in an observing way, okay? All of us, to a greater or lesser degree, have skills of observation, right? 
to a greater or lesser degree. So I notice when trends change, okay? And I will be the first to admit to you that when I was in my teenage years, <laughs> I followed a lot of trends, okay? Like having an Afro hair, hairstyle. That's how my wife met me. Can you believe she st stayed with me? I didn't stay with you. I met you. I mean, you, you met me, but I mean, you didn't leave me. Okay? I, I had saw this. beyond the hair. You can be shaved off. Okay? So that was, you know, the, I don't, if you go back to the, to the late 70s and early 80s, you'll see a bunch of guys with Afro hairdos. Anyway, so I followed, I followed those kinds of things in those years of my life. But it's very interesting that I watch and see these trends change and I watch the young people. I'm not just talking about the world or Christianity in general. I'm talking about family retreat people who follow these trends. And it's costing money. Unless you're, you're not gonna get most of the trends in the Goodwill, okay? <laughs> It's costing money, and, and again, I'm not saying this critically, but yes, you don't do the non-gender clothing, but you do whatever's in style. So if it's, if it's tight, fitting on the hips, and a little bit short, you would have been caught dead in it two years ago being shorter, and that tight, that's guys. We're not just talking about girls following fashion, that's, that's the guys. Mm -hmm. And the point tonight for all of us is, are we just following the trends, because you can't, you can't necessarily find a scripture that says that it's not right to follow every fashion trend as long as you have clothes on, okay? But if you are, that's trending, okay? I quit trending a long time ago, okay? Am I, am I right in saying that? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I ask my wife, so am I an embarrassment to you that I still wear <laughs> the same pants that I've had for the last 15 years? <laughs> so is that embarrassing? No, not at all, because hey, that's, that's great, and it's good quality. It's still, he still has them on. I mean, right here. They're right here. <laughs> okay. The knees are starting to get a little shiny, I noticed. But Sorry. <laughs> that's embarrassing. So don't just be, because this is what we tend to be like. They do that but I'm not like that, okay? All we're asking of you is the same thing that we're asking of ourselves. Are we trending? Who is driving the trending, okay? What is motivating it, okay? Because I haven't had anybody tell me, and maybe you will tonight, so I've set myself wide open for this, okay? <laughs> so tonight, when I'm, I've never had anybody say to me, Man, those pants are so out of style. Can you do something about that? <laughs> Brother Waters, Mr. Waters, Tom? <laughs> now, maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable saying that, but tonight I give you all permission, okay? But I'm not driven by trending, okay? And that's what we're talking about tonight. Trending in technology, okay? There would be many people who say, Oh, I'm not, I'm not driven by technology. And yet, they are. They don't see it, and you'll find out as we talk about some of the solutions over here, we don't generally see well what we are in, right. especially if we're really in it. And the only way we see it sometimes is if 
we take a step back and say, so what would really happen if I just left my phone laying here on the table at breakfast? How devastating would that be to my life between now and lunch? Would that be, for some people, that would be monumental, right? Boy, they're getting quiet on me now. Because <laughs> you think if you respond to that, that I might think you're one of those people, okay? And that wouldn't look good, okay? But we all deal with these things. Yeah. I mean, there's many blessings of this, but what the question is, where are we going? Are we with the flow, or are we really keeping our feet on the, on the truth of the Word of God and following Him? And so there's many areas. We talked about fashion, technology, even our reforms can yeah, be you trendy. You talk about that one. I mean, people get onto some of these reforms and they, they pick out certain things and those are good things, but they leave off the balancing side of it. And it's not really based on the truth. It's not based on the whole. It's only based on a part of truth. And it's, that's how Satan has been so successful. That's right. It started back in the Garden of Eden. He told Eve what? If you eat this, you will what? Be like, you will know good from evil, right? Be like God. Be like God. Partial truth. They would know good and evil now, wouldn't they? They already do good. That's what we, God created us. But, so we have to be careful that we don't just pick part of it. We have to have the whole, the whole here, because that's where we find balance. And that's what Christ embodied in his life as he ministered, as he walked this earth, he was the perfect balance of truth in action, in truth, in character. And so we have the, the potential to trend with ministries. I mean, some people, maybe it could even be Restoration International. They think if they come to family retreat, they just kind of do what everybody else there does, that they, they're in the group. No, we don't want you to trend with Restoration. We want you to spend and, and focus and stand on the truth of the word of God, Amen. okay? And if restoration's getting off track, please come and, you know, help us to see. We gotta get back on track here. So we don't wanna just do things because it aligns us with a particular ministry. We wanna do things because it aligns us with Christ Jesus and we stand on him, we stand on the truth. Uh, music is another area. Our language, can you believe how our language has changed? I'm only 60 years old and I have seen a big change in our language. Words that had a meaning back when I was 10, 15, 20 years old has a totally different meaning today. And some of the things that is happening in, in the culture that we live in and we're trending with that is our vocabulary is shifting. And do you notice that the vocabulary that's becoming popular and, and I'm gonna use the word cool because that's one of those trending words it has, it's recycling again, is is really dumbing down the mind, relationships, and even the truth. Because it's becoming um, too simple, too frivolous, too empty. So we wanna be careful that we're not just going with the flow um, in our language and our attitudes. Yeah, so you really skipped over music quick. Oh, sorry. You just said music and then you went on to Sorry, well, wait, I was looking at the clock too. We don't have, we want to get to the finish line too. We will. But it's just. So can I say something? Oh about, yeah, you go ahead, sorry. Just a little bit about music. <laughs> music is so huge. Do you know why music is so huge in temptation? Because Satan was the chief musician in heaven. Okay? 
He knows music like nobody on earth knows music. And so music is an area that we can find ourselves slipping into because music moves the soul without the reasoning power intercepting it. Okay? Music can just come right into the ear and affect our emotions, our mental attitudes, affect our decision-making power without ever making a decision other than turning on the, the music without making any reasonable decisions. And so, if you find yourself struggling in the area of music, don't justify, and we're gonna talk about how that justifying works in, in the solutions part of this, but, but I wanna say one thing that's very current right now, and it is scary to a lot of people, and it's, it's the, the idea of being politically correct it's the idea of saying things the way that it is acceptable to say them in the culture that we live in today. And it is leading people literally to be quiet. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and talk about starting fights, okay? I don't want to do that. But I'm talking about not being fearful because there's a one, less than 1% of the population, at least in the United States of America, that is driving an agenda today that has horrifically changed the fabric of our society in two years. Two years. Is that scary? It is. And we cannot allow ourselves to trend with this kind of thinking because it will destroy the fabric of Christianity. Again, I'm going to emphasize, we're not looking to, to pick fights, but we are looking to stand upon the truth as it is in Jesus unashamedly in the spirit and the strength of Jesus Christ. We do not need to be afraid to say that homosexuality is sin. Do we? No. Okay? I could be picked up, literally, before this retreat is over for saying that from the pulpit. Did you know that? How many people knew that? Okay. That's not why I said it. And I didn't say it to be brazen. But every one of us is being influenced by the society that we live in. Okay? And if God's word says it, it's good enough for me. Okay? And I, I keep wanting to say this, not to, to start a fight. Okay? we must recognize that if we're talking about the truth as it is in Jesus, that there is a spirit that comes from Christ, right? Because I know what it's like to debate a question in the spirit of man, and it's no good. I've done it, and I did it way too much in my younger years of zeal, not according to right knowledge, as the Apostle Paul says. So I'm not talking about this. I want to make that very clear. But I am talking about us not being fearful 
of a plain, thus saith the Lord. The truth will set us free. And if we start trying to be careful that we don't use certain words, do you know that right now, and I don't know what the current, um, (laughs) all the labels that are out there for different choices in lifestyle, and I'm trying to be very sensitive here to all the age groups, but that list grows by the month. Did you know that? It used to be four or five different groups, and now there's 14 or 22 And there will come a place where people trying to fit into this political correctness will find themselves frustrated and muzzled because truth will find no place in the language. And that's what the devil wants. We just don't want to find ourselves there. We're okay. Okay, there was a survey done by the American Culture and Faith um, Institute Polling across America, 70% of the Americans that live in the United States here say they are Bible-believing Christians. They profess Christianity, 70% of the population. That's good, isn't it? But in that same research and survey, they found out that 10% of that 70% really live their faith. Not only live it, their beliefs, but the values that they have that they adhere to from the word of God as Christians. Now that's scary. That's very disappointing actually. And we can be one of those who do live our faith. If we live our lives in accordance with the word of God in the truth, this affects attitudes, behaviors, all related to practical matters in life. Lying, cheating, stealing, even the nature of God and consequences for sin. All become a part of this, this, this thinking out there. So one of the trends we see in all Christian churches is that somehow when we do wrong things, we all default to making excuses for them. We all have somebody to blame for what we did that was wrong. We have a tendency to justify ourselves and to say, well, it's because of my circumstances. If you were in my circumstances, you would do the same thing I did. And we don't really call sin by its right name. We don't really call ourselves to accountability before God if we break any of his commandments. Less or at about 10% of the professed Christian world are doing this, are living according to their faith, their belief, taking accountability. accountability. That leaves 90% of the Christian world having no accountability to God or to one another. But we have created a false trend. We've created a false comfort zone that we can excuse it. So now we want to turn to the solutions. While we're here at this retreat, all of us have the opportunity to reflect more so, I'm going to say, than in our busy day-to-day lives. We're pulling apart, taking time here to come apart and rest for a while and and be refreshed. So this is an opportunity for the Lord to, to help us to see things that we may be inadvertently or unconsciously or consciously trending away from God. So here's the solutions we're going to look at. Number one, 
We need to be willing for God to show us where we are trending. You receive not because you ask not. Ask and you shall receive. Do you believe it? But wanting to do that is another thing. (laughs) Right? We have nothing to fear of making ourselves accountable to God. Do you believe that? Yes. But is it easy? Not always. Being willing for God to show us where we are trending. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. If we're willing to ask God, he is willing to search us. Now, he brings us conviction even when we don't ask, but it's much nicer when we ask because he he knows there's a receptiveness there. Luke 12, verse 2 says, There is nothing covered, nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be made known. Is that truth? The question that I ask myself sometimes is, okay, so would I rather just have an open conversation with God about this? Because he already knows, right? Or do I want to wait until it's too late and it's not going to be covered and it's going to come out and it's going to be exposed? Which which, uh, do you think would be the better conversation and the better timing? (laughs) Now. Now is the time. And this retreat is an opportunity. Well, I think that we all fall into the category of the trend here because it's not easy for us to have to, to see something in ourselves that isn't in accordance with the Word of God. Maybe it's an attitude we have. It's how we feel about somebody. It's, it's maybe even something we might have toward our spouse or one of our children. Something that we've done that we know we shouldn't have done, but we don't really want anybody to know that we did it. So we look for ways to cover it over. Friends, we all fall into this category, this, this trend of, of a wrong concept. Because as David said, and, and he, had, he was a man after God's own heart, but he had some things in his life that God wanted to reveal to him, didn't he? First of all, he knew the things he was doing that were wrong when he did them, but he did them anyway. And then he tried to cover it up, right? But when God came knocking at his heart's door, he was willing to say, Lord, search me. And he was accountable for that. And we need that. We need that same thing. We talk about this when we're on our walks. Yeah, there's times that I still maybe get irritated with my husband. And I don't like to do that. But, you know, in the moment, you feel so justified. You feel so right. There is no excuse for sin. And we need to believe that truth in order for us not to be swept with the popular trends of Christianity today. So searching, asking God to search us and knowing that there's nothing covered that will not be revealed. That's love and mercy, isn't it? Why would we want to cover over all our sins and then at the end find out that there's no hope for us to be redeemed? I'd rather say, Lord, let me deal with the sin and then you change my heart. You restore my heart. You give me a different attitude. Number two, surrender. Really surrender. We're not talking about just surrendering an item or just surrendering something. It's talking about surrendering, giving ourselves to God. And when we're talking about this, 
I told my wife when we were writing this message, I said, we have the natural tendency to do self-adjusted surrender. I said, I love that, that term. Never thought of it that way. Self-adjusted surrender. The key word is self, which you hear us talk about self a lot because we all have one. But this is self-adjusted surrender. And here's what it looks like. When we get the conviction, we go through the process just like our very first parents did. They never learned it from anybody. We go through the process of justifying my version of sin. My particular version is different than yours. Therefore, I justify my version, my circumstances. I come away from the situation and based on my self-adjusted surrender, I give you or give God a response. We live in a world today that, as, as my wife said earlier, makes excuses so that there is very little accountability when wrongs have been done because we self-adjust instead of being willing to do whatever God asks us to do. Solomon says, um, he records in Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me thine heart. It's, it's not give me part of your heart. It's not give me the heart that you want to give me. It's Lord, the Lord is calling for all of our hearts, the whole thing. Amen. And when we give him our whole heart, there's no room for self to adjust, no room for self-adjustment in our surrender. Number three, move forward in confidence. Don't hesitate. He who hesitates, what? <laughs> when you know what God is asking you to do, we need to move forward in confidence. In confidence with who? In confidence with Christ, who is calling to us, who is showing us how we're trending, and we move forward in the strength of Jesus Christ in the confidence that the one who has called us is able. Hebrews 4, verse 7 says today, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. What does it mean to harden a heart? Sometimes we think that means no, and I've done that. I can picture myself on my knees in my closet saying, I don't want to. That's hardening the heart. But there's also another hardening of the heart. And that is that we just hesitate. And we just don't respond. And we just let it go away. That's hardening the heart as well. And the last area that's very important for us to be grounded in the truth is to not weary in the well-doing. Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. The theme of this retreat is truth will what? Triumph. triumph. We will what? What did the verse say? We shall reap. Is that triumphant? Amen. If we faint not. And for us, and just like you, there's times that we weary in the process. It's human nature. It's easy to become comfortable for whatever our reasons. And really the, the 
the most successful way to stand in the truth and not go with the flow is to follow this promise that we shouldn't weary in well-doing. The promise is sure, isn't it? But it's conditional, isn't it? We have a part in it, don't we? Our part is not to weary. And that is really important. It's really been something that in our families, whatever your family dynamic is here in this room, or as those of you who are watching on the live stream, when one starts to weary, which sometimes will happen, the other one can be an encouragement to say, you know what, I know it's hard right now, but we're going to, we're going to get through this. We want to be honoring the Lord. We want to stand fast with the Lord. We want to do his will. And the other person can encourage us along. That's one of the blessings of family. And so let us not weary in well-doing because God has promised there's going to come a point where we're going to reap the triumphant blessing of his sacrifice when he calls us forward to meet him when he comes in the air. And that's going to be such a glorious day. And I believe it's going to be sooner than we may realize. So let us not weary in well-doing. Father in heaven, we're so thankful to be back here at the National Family Retreat. How quickly another year has passed by. One year closer to the return of our Lord and Savior. Father, as we feel almost palpably the pressure, the tensions of an adversary who recognizes that his time is short. I pray that we will be turned more fully to the truth as it is in Jesus. That we will not allow ourselves to be pulled down the many avenues of trending that may be popular, that may be comfortable, that may be silently deadly. Oh Lord, we want to be faithful. And we choose to allow you to work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.